Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. George Smith Patton Jr. was born on November 11th in the year 1885 and died December 21st in the year 1945. He was a United States Army General, best known for his flamboyant character and his command of the United States 7th Army, and later the 3rd Army, in the European theater of World War II. Born in 1885 to a privileged family with an extensive military background, Patton attended the Virginia Military Institute and later the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. He participated in the 1912 Olympic Modern Pentathlon and was instrumental in designing the M1913 Patton Sabre. Patton first saw combat during the Pancho Villa expedition in 1916, taking part in America's first military action using motor vehicles. He later joined the newly formed United States Tank Corps of the American Expeditionary Forces and saw action in World War I, first commanding the U.S. Tank School in France before being wounded near the end of the war. In the interwar period, Patton remained a central figure in the development of armored warfare doctrine in the U.S. Army, serving in numerous staff positions throughout the country. Rising through the ranks, he commanded the U.S. 2nd Armored Division at a time of the U.S. entry into World War II. 
Patton led U.S. troops into the Mediterranean theater with an invasion of Casablanca during Operation Torch in 1942, where he later established himself as an effective commander through his raid rehabilitation of the demoralized U.S. Second Corps. He commanded the 7th Army during the invasion of Sicily, where he was the first Allied commander to reach Messina. There he was embroiled in controversy after he slapped two shell-shocked soldiers under his command and was temporarily removed from the battlefield command for other duties such as participating in Operation Fortitude's disinformation campaign for Operation Overlord. Patton returned to command the Third Army following the invasion of Normandy in 1944, where he led a highly successful, rapid armored drive across France. He led the relief of beleaguered U.S. troops at Bastogne during the Battle of the Bulge and advanced his army into Nazi Germany by the end of the war. After the war, Patton became the military governor of Bavaria, but he was relieved of his post because of his statements on denazification. He commanded the 15th United States Army for slightly more than two months. Patton died following an automobile accident in Europe on December 21, 1945. Patton's colorful image, hard-driving personality, and success as commander were at times overshadowed by his controversial public statements regarding the Soviet Union, which were out of accord with American foreign policy. But his philosophy of leading from the front and his ability to inspire troops with vulgarity-ridden speeches, such as his famous address to the Third Army, attracted favorable attention. His strong emphasis on rapid and aggressive offensive action proved effective. While Allied leaders held sharply differing opinions on Patton, he was regarded highly by his opponents in the German high command. A popular award-winning biographical film released in 1970 helped transform Patton into an American folk hero. George Smith Patton, Jr. was born on November 11, 1885, in San Gabriel, California, to George Smith Patton, Sr. and his wife, Ruth Wilson. Patton had a younger sister, Annie. The family was of Irish, Scotch-Irish, and English ancestry, and had an extensive military background. His English ancestry had been in what is now the United States since the colonial era, going all the way back to colonial Virginia. His English ancestry could be traced back to 16 of the barons who signed the Magna Carta. Furthermore, though he was not descended from George Washington, he was related to some of the same English colonial ancestors as Washington, 
being descended from Washington's great-grandfather. He was also descended from Edward I of England through Edward's son Edmund of Woodstock, 1st Earl of Kent. His parental grandfather was George Smith Patton, who commanded the 22nd Virginia Infantry under Jubal Early in the Civil War and was killed in the Third Battle of Winchester, while his great-uncle, Waller T. Patton, was killed in Pickett's Charge during the Battle of Gettysburg. Patton also descended from Hugh Mercer, who had been killed in the Battle of Princeton during the American Revolution. Patton's father graduated from Virginia Military Institute, but did not pursue a military career, instead becoming a lawyer and later the district attorney of Los Angeles County. Patton's maternal grandfather was Benjamin Davis Wilson, who had been the mayor of Los Angeles and a successful merchant. He was very popular among the Spanish-speaking founders of modern Los Angeles, who affectionately called him Benito, the Spanish word for Benjamin. On a side note, Mount Wilson in the San Gabriel Mountains above San Marino is named after him. The family was prosperous, and George Patton lived a privileged childhood in the family's 2,000-acre estate. As a child, Patton had difficulty learning to read and write, but eventually overcame this and was known in his adult life to be an avid reader. He was tutored from home until the age of 11, when he was enrolled in Stephen Clark's School for Boys, a private school in Pasadena, for six years. Patton was described as an intelligent boy and was widely read on classic military history, particularly the exploits of Julius Caesar, Joan of Arc, Napoleon Bonaparte, as well as family and friend John Singleton Mosby. He was also a devoted horseback rider. During a family summer trip to Catalina Island in 1902, Patton met Patrice Banning Eyre, the daughter of Boston industrial Frederick Eyre. The two wed on May 26, 1910, in Beverly Farms, Massachusetts. They had three children, Patrice Smith, born March 1911, Ruth Ellen, born February 1915, and George Patton IV, born December 1923. Patton never seriously considered a career other than the military. So, in 1902, he wrote a letter to Senator Thomas R. Bard, seeking an appointment to the United States Military Academy. Bard required Patton to complete an entrance exam. Fearing that he would perform poorly in his exam, Patton and his father applied to several universities with reserve officers' trainings programs. 
Patton was accepted to Princeton University, but eventually decided on the Virginia Military Institute. He attended VMI from 1903 to 1904 and struggled with reading and writing, but performed exceptionally well in uniform and appearance inspections, as well as military drill, earning the admiration of fellow cadets and the respect of upperclassmen. While at the Virginia Military Institute, Patton became a member of the Kappa Alpha Order fraternity. On March 3, 1904, after Patton continued letter writing and good performance in the entrance exam, Senator Bard recommended him for the West Point Academy. In his plebe year at West Point, Patton adjusted easily to the routine. Still, his academic performance was so poor that he was forced to repeat his first year after failing mathematics. That's right, he had to be a plebe for two years. Studying throughout his summer break, Patton returned and showed substantial academic improvement. For the remainder of his career at the academy, Patton excelled at military drills through, though his academic performance remained average. He was cadet sergeant major his junior year and cadet adjunct his senior year. He also joined the Army football team, but injured his arm and ceased playing on several occasions. Instead, trying out for the sword team and track and field, quickly becoming one of the best swordsmen at West Point Academy. Patton graduated from West Point ranked 46th out of 103. He was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the cavalry on June 11, 1909. Patton's first posting was with the 15th Cavalry at Fort Sheridan, Illinois, where he established himself as a hard-driving leader who impressed superiors with his dedication. In late 1911, Patton and his family transferred to Fort Myer, Virginia, where many of the Armory's senior leaders were stationed. Befriending Secretary of War Henry L. Stimson, Patton served as his aide at social functions on top of his regular duties as quartermaster for his troops. For his skill with running and fencing, Patton was selected at the Army's entry for the first ever modern pentathlon in the 1912 Olympic Games in Stockholm, Sweden. Of the 42 competitors in the event, Patton placed 21st on the pistol range, 7th in swimming, 4th in fencing, 6th in the equestrian competition, and 3rd in the foot race for an overall finish of 5th place. Being the top non-Swedish finisher, there was some controversy concerning Patton's performance in the pistol shooting competition. He used a 38 caliber pistol, 
while most of the other competitors chose a 22 caliber firearm. Patton claimed that the holes in the paper from his early shots were so large that some of the later bullets passed through them. But the judges decided the missed he that he missed the target completely once. Since then, modern competitions on this level frequently now employ a moving background to specifically track multiple shots through the same hole. If his assertion was correct, Patton would have likely had won an Olympic medal in the event. The judge's ruling was upheld. Patton did not get the medal and came in fifth. Patton's only comment in the matter was this. The high spirit of sportsmanship and generosity manifested throughout speaks volume for the character of officers of the present day. There was not a single incident of a protest or any unsportsmanlike quibbling or fighting for points, which I may say marred some of the other civilian competitions at the Olympic Games. Each man did his best and took what fortune sent them like a true soldier, and at the end we all felt more like good friends and comrades than rivals in a severe competition. Yet, this spirit of friendship in no manner detracted from the zeal in which we all strove for success. George S. Patton, 1912 Olympics. Following the 1912 Olympics, Patton traveled to Saumur, France, where he learned fencing techniques from adjunct Charles Claret, a French master of arms, and instructor of fencing at the Calvary School there. Bringing these lessons back to Fort Myers with him, Patton redesigned saber combat doctrine for the U.S. Cavalry, favoring thrusting attacks with the sword over standard slashing maneuvers and designing a new sword for such attacks. Patton was temporarily assigned the office of the Army Chief of Staff in 1913. The first 20,000 of the model 1913 Cavalry Sabre, popularly known as the Patton Sword, were ordered. Patton then returned to Samoa, France, to learn advanced techniques before bringing his skills to the Mounted Surface School at Fort Riley, Kansas, where he would be both a student and a fencing instructor. He was the first Army officer to be designated Master of the Sword, a title denoting the school's top instructor in swordmanship. Arriving in September 1913, he taught fencing to other cavalry officers, many who were senior to him in rank. Patton graduated from this school in June 1915. He was originally intended to return to the 15th Cavalry, which was bound for the Philippines. Fearing this assignment would dead-end his career, Patton traveled to Washington, D.C. during 11 days of leave and convinced influential friends to arrange a reassignment for him to the 8th Cavalry at Fort Bliss, Texas, anticipating that instability in Mexico 
might boil over into a full-scale civil war. In the meantime, Patton was selected to participate in the 1916 Summer Olympics, but those games were canceled due to World War I. In 1915, Patton was assigned to Border Patrol duty with Company A of the 8th Cavalry, based in Sierra Blanca. During this time, in this rough border town, Patton took to wearing his M1911 Colt 45 in his belt, rather than its proper place, his holster. He was emulating this cowboy image. His firearm discharged one night in a saloon. That's right, a saloon. Go figure. So he swapped it for an ivory-handled Colt single-action army revolver, a weapon that would later become an icon of Patton's image. He transferred to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri for a brief time in 1915. In March 1916, Mexican forces loyal to Pancho Villa crossed into New Mexico and raided the border town of Columbus. The violence in Columbus killed several Americans. In response, the U.S. launched a punitive expedition into Mexico against Pancho Villa. Chagrined to discover that his unit would not participate, Patton appealed to expedition commander John J. Pershing, and was named as personal aide to Pershing for the expedition. This meant Patton would have some role in organizing the effort, and his eagerness and dedication to the task impressed Pershing. Patton modeled much of his leadership style after Pershing, who favored strong, decisive leadership and commanding from the front. As an aide... Patton oversaw the logistics of Pershing's transportation and acted as his personal courier. In mid-April, Patton asked Pershing for the opportunity to command troops and was attached to Troop C of the 13th Cavalry to assist in the manhunt for Villa and his subordinates. Patton's first experience with combat came on May 14, 1916, in what would become the first motorized attack in the history of U.S. warfare. Patton, leading a force of ten soldiers and two civilian guides with the 6th Infantry in three Dodge touring cars, surprised three of Villa's men during a foraging expedition, killing Julio Cardenas and two of his guards. It was not clear if Patton personally killed any of the three men, but he was known to have wounded all three. The incident garnered Patton both Pershing's good favor and widespread media attention as a bandit killer. Shortly after, he was promoted to first lieutenant while part of the 10th Cavalry on May 23rd 1916. Patton remained in Mexico until the end of the year. President Woodrow Wilson forbade the expedition from conducting aggressive patrols deeper into Mexico, 
So they remained in camp for much of the time. In October, Patton briefly returned to California after being burned by exploding gas lamp. He returned from the expedition permanently in February of the year 1917. Following the expedition in Mexico, Patton was initially detailed to Fort Front Royal, Virginia, to oversee horse procurement for the army. But Pershing intervened on his behalf. After the U.S. entered World War I and Pershing was named commander of the American Expeditionary Forces, Patton requested to join his staff. Patton was promoted to captain on May 15, 1917, and left for Europe among the 180 men of Pershing's advance party, which departed on May 28th and arrived in Liverpool on June 8th. Taken as Pershing's personal aide, Patton oversaw the training of American troops in Paris until September, then moved to Chaumont and assigned as a post-adjunct commanding the headquarters company overseeing the base. Patton was dissatisfied with the post and began to take an interest in tanks as Pershing sought to give him command of an infantry battalion. While in a hospital for jaundice, Patton met Colonel Fox Connor who encouraged him to work with tanks over infantry. On November 10, 1917, Patton was assigned to establish the Light Tank School. He left Paris and reported to the French Army's tank training school at Champlot near Aurier, where he drove a Renault F2 light tank. He also re- visited a Renault factory to observe the tanks being manufactured. On November 20th, the British launched an offensive towards the important rail center of Cambrai, using an unprecedented number of tanks. At the conclusion of his tour on December 1st, Patton went to Albert, 30 miles from Cambrai, to be briefed on the results of his attack by the chief of staff of the British Tank Corps, Colonel J.F.C. Fuller. Patton was promoted to major on January 26, 1918. He received the first 10 tanks on March 23, 1918 at the tank school at Langres, Haute-Marne Department. The only soldier with tank driving experience, Patton personally banked, backed seven of the tanks off the train. No one else could do it. In the post, Patton trained tank crews to operate in support of infantry and promoted his acceptance among reluctant infantry officers. He was promoted to lieutenant colonel on April 3, 1980 and attended the Army General Staff College in Langres. 
In August 1918, he was placed in charge of the U.S. 1st Provisional Tank Brigade, redesignated the 304th Tank Brigade on November 6, 1918. Patton's Light Tank Brigade was part of Colonel Samuel Rockenbach's Tank Corps, part of the 1st Army. Personally overseeing the logistics of the tanks in their first combat use by U.S. forces, and reconnoitering the target area for their first attack himself, Patton ordered that no U.S. tank be surrendered. Patton commanded American crewed Renault tanks at the Battle of St. Mihail, leading to the tanks from the front for much of the attack, which began on September 12th. He walked in front of the tanks into the German-held village of Esse and rode on top of a tank during the attack into Pan, seeking to inspire his men, which it did. Patton's brigade, brigade was then moved to U.S. First Corps in the Meuse-Argonne offense on September 26. He personally led a troop of tanks through thick fog as they advanced five miles or eight kilometers into German lines. Around 9 a.m., Patton was wounded in the left thigh while leading six men and a tank in an attack on a German machine gun near the town of Chepe. His orderly, Private First Class Joe Angelo, saved Patton, for which he was later awarded the Distinguished Service Cross. Patton commanded the battle from a shell hole for another hour before being evacuated. He stopped at a rear command post to submit his report before heading to a hospital. Cyrano E. Brett, commander of the U.S. 326 Tank Battalion, took command of the brigade in Patton's absence. While recuperating from his wound, Patton was promoted to colonel in the tank corps of the U.S. National Army. On October 17th, he returned to duty on October 28th, but saw no further action before hostilities ended with the armistice of November 11th, 1918. For his actions in Chepe, Patton received the Distinguished Service Cross. For his leadership of the Brigade and Tank School, he was awarded the Distinguished Service Medal. He was also awarded the Purple Heart for his combat wounds after the decoration was created in 1932. Patton left France for New York City on March 2, 1919. After the war, he was assigned to Camp Meade, Maryland, and reverted to his permanent rank of captain on June 30, 1920, though he was promoted to major again the next day. Patton was given temporary duty in Washington, D.C. that year to serve on his committee writing a manual on tank operations. In this time, he developed a belief that tanks should not be used as infantry support, but rather as an independent fighting force. Patton supported the M1919 tank 
design created by J. Walter Christie, a project which was shelved due to financial considerations. While on duty in Washington, D.C. in 1919, Patton met Dwight D. Eisenhower, who would play an enormous role in Patton's future career. During and following Patton's assignment in Hawaii, he and Eisenhower corresponded frequently. Patton sent Eisenhower notes and assistance to help him graduate from General Staff College. With Christie Eisenhower and a handful of other officers, Patton pushed for more development of armed warfare in the interwar era. These thoughts resonated with the Secretary of War, Dwight Davis, but the limited military budget and prevalence of the already established infantry and cavalry branches meant the U.S. would not develop its armor corps much until the year 1940. On September 30, 1920, he relinquished command of the 304th Tank Brigade and was reassigned to Fort Myer as commander of the 3rd Squadron, 3rd Cavalry. Patton, loathing duty as a peacetime staff officer, spent much of the time writing technical papers and giving speeches on his combat experiences at the General Staff College. From 1922 to mid-1923, he attended the field officer's course at the Cavalry School at Fort Riley. Then he attended the Command and General Staff College from the mid-1923 to mid-1924, graduating 25th out of 248. In August 1923, Patton saved several children from drowning when they fell off a yacht during a boating trip off Salem, Massachusetts. He was awarded the Silver Life-Saving Medal for his action. He was temporarily appointed to the General Staff Corps in Boston, Massachusetts, before being reassigned as a G-1 and G-2 of the Hawaiian Division at Schofield Barracks in Honolulu in March 1925. During his time in Hawaii, Patton was part of the military units responsible for the defense of the islands and wrote a plan called Surprise, which anticipated an air raid against Pearl Harbor 14 years before the attack by the Imperial Japanese Navy on December 7, 1941. Patton was made G3 of the Hawaiian Division for several months before being transferred in May 1927 to the office of the Chief of Cavalry in Washington, D.C., where he began to develop concepts of mechanized warfare. A short-lived experiment to merge infantry, cavalry, and artillery into a combined armed force was canceled after U.S. Congress removed funding. Patton left this office in the year 1931, returned to Massachusetts, and attended the Army War College, becoming a distinguished graduate in June of 1932. 
In July 1932, Patton was executive officer of the 3rd Cavalry, which was ordered to Washington by Army Chief of Staff General Douglas MacArthur. Patton took command of the 600 troops of the 3rd Cavalry, and on July 28th, MacArthur ordered Patton's troops to advance on posting protesting veterans known as the Bonus Army with tear gas and bayonets. Patton was dissatisfied with MacArthur's conduct as he recognized the legitimacy of these veterans' complaints and had himself early refused to issue the order to employ armed forces to disperse veterans. Patton later stated that, though he found the duty most distasteful, he also felt that putting the marchers down prevented an insurrection and saved lives and property. He personally led the 3rd Cavalry down Pennsylvania Avenue, dispersing the protesters. Patton also encountered his former former orderly as one of the marchers and forcibly ordered him away fearing such a meeting might make headlines. Unbelievable. Patton was promoted to lieutenant colonel in the regular army on March 1, 1934, and was transferred to the Hawaiian Division in early 1935 to serve as G2. Depressed at the lack of prospects for a new conflict somewhere in the world, Patton took to drinking heavily, and began several extramarital affairs, including one with a 21-year-old, Jean Gordon. Patton continued playing polo and sailing at this time. After sailing back to Los Angeles for extended leave in 1937, he was kicked by a horse and fractured his leg. Patton developed phlebitis from the injury, which nearly killed him. This incident almost forced Patton out of active service, but a six-month administrative assignment in the academic department at the Calvary School at Fort Riley helped him to recover. Patton was promoted to colonel on July 24, 1938, and given command of the 5th Cavalry at Fort Clark, Texas for six months. A post he relished, but he was reassigned to Fort Meyer again in December as commander of the 3rd Cavalry. There he met Army Chief of Staff George C. Marshall, who was so impressed with him that Marshall considered Patton a prime candidate for promotion to general. Still, In peacetime, he would remain a colonel to stay eligible for command of a regiment. Following the invasions of Poland and the outbreak of World War II in Europe in 1939, the U.S. military entered a period of mobilization and Patton sought to build up the power of the U.S. armed forces. During maneuvers the Third Army conducted in 1940, Patton served as an umpire where he met Adna R. Chaffee, Jr., 
and the two formulated recommendations to develop an armored force. Chaffee was named commander of this force and created the U.S. 1st Armored Division and U.S. 2nd Armored Division, as well as the 1st Combined Arms Doctrine. He named Patton commander of the 2nd Armed Brigade, 2nd Armored Division. The division was one of the few organized as a heavy formation with a large number of tanks, and Patton was in charge of its training. Patton was promoted to Brigadier General on October 2nd, made acting division commander in November, and on April 4th, 1941, was promoted again to Major General and made division commander of the 2nd Armored Division. As Chaffee stepped down from command of the U.S. 1st Armored Corps, Patton became the most prominent figure in U.S. armor doctrine, staging a high-profile mass exercise, driving 1,000 tanks and vehicles from Columbus, Georgia to Panama City, Florida, and back in December 1940, and again with his entire division of 1,300 vehicles the next month. Patton earned a pilot's license, and during these maneuvers he observed the movements of his vehicles from the air to find ways to deploy them effectively in combat. His exploits earned him a spot on the cover of Life magazine that year. Patton led the division during the Tennessee maneuvers in June 1941 and was lauded for his leadership executing 48 hours worth of planned objectives in only nine hours. During the September Louisiana maneuvers, his division was part of the losing Red Army in Phase 1, but in Phase 2 was assigned to the Blue Army. His division executed a 400-mile or 640-kilometer end run around the Red Army and captured Shreveport, Louisiana. Good job. During the October-November Carolina maneuvers, Patton's division captured Hugh Drum, commander of the opposing army. On January 15, 1942, he was given command of the 1st Armored Corps and the next month established the Desert Training Center in the Imperial Valley to run training exercises. The Imperial Valley is in California. He commenced these exercises in late 1941 and continued them into the summer of 1942. Patton chose a 10,000 acre or 40 square kilometer expanse of desert area about 50 miles or 80 kilometers southeast of Palm Springs, California. From his first days as a commander, Patton strongly emphasized the need for armored forces to stay in constant contact with opposing forces. His instinctive preference for offensive movement was typified by an answer Patton gave to war correspondents in a 1944 press conference. In response to a question on whether the Third Army's rapid offensive across France should be slowed to reduce the U the number of U.S. casualties, 
Patton replied, Whenever you slow anything down, you waste human lives. During the war, Patton acquired the nickname of Old Blood and Guts because of his enthusiasm for battle. Soldiers under his command at times quipped, Our Blood and Guts. Still, he was known to be admired widely by the men under his charge. Patton was also known simply as the old man among his troops. North African Campaign Under Eisenhower, Patton was assigned to help plan the invasion of French North Africa as part of Operation Torch in the summer of 1942. Patton commanded the Western Task Force, consisting of 33,000 men in 100 ships, in landings centered around Casablanca, Morocco. The landings, which took place on November 8, 1942, were opposed by Vichy French forces, but Patton's men quickly gained on the beachhead and pushed through fierce resistance. Casablanca fell on November 11th, and Patton negotiated an armistice with French General Charles Negos. The Sultan of Morocco was so impressed that he presented Patton with the order of the Osman Alouet with the citation, The lion in their dens tremble at his approach. Patton oversaw the conversion of Casablanca into a military port and hosted the Casablanca Conference in January 1943. On March 6, 1943, following the defeat of the U.S. Second Corps by the German Africa Corps at the Battle of Kasserine Pass, Patton replaced Major General Lloyd Frendendahl as commander of the Second Corps and was proponent promoted to lieutenant general. Soon thereafter, he had Omar Bradley reassigned to his corps as its deputy commander. With orders to take the battered and demoralized formation into action in 10 days' time, Patton immediately introduced sweeping changes, ordering all soldiers to wear clean, pressed, and complete uniforms establishing rigorous schedules and requiring strict adherence to military protocol. He continuously moved throughout the command, talking with men, seeking to shape them into effective soldiers. He pushed them hard and sought to reward them well for their accomplishments. His uncompromising leadership style is evidenced by his orders for an attack on a hill position near Gafsa, which are reported to have ended... I expect to see such casualties among officers, particularly staff officers, as will convince me that a serious effort has been made to capture this objective. Patton's training was effective, and on March 17th, the U.S. 1st Infantry Division took Gafsa, winning the Battle of El Guitar and pushing a German-Italian armored force back twice. In the meantime, on April 5th, he removed Major General Orlando Ward, the commander of the 1st Armed 
division after its lackluster performance at McNassie against numerically inferior German forces. Advancing on Gabes, Patton's corps pressured the Marieth Line. During this time, he reported to British Army Commander Harold Alexander and came into conflict with Air Vice Marshal Arthur Cunningham about the lack of close air support being provided for his troops. When Cunningham dispatched three officers to Patton's headquarters to persuade him that the British were providing ample air support, they came under German air attack mid-meeting, and part of the ceiling on Patton's office collapsed around them. Speaking later of the German pilots who had struck, Patton remarked, If I could find those sons of a guns who flew those planes, I'd mail each of them a medal. By the time his force reached Gabus, the Germans had abandoned it. He then relinquished command of 2nd Corps to Bradley and returned to the 1st Armored Corps in Casablanca to help plan Operation Husky. Fearing U.S. troops would be sidelined, he convinced British commanders to allow them to continue fighting through to the end of the Tunisian campaign before leaving this new assignment. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.